1: L. A. Studios. One of my favorite K-pop songs from recent years is a song called Psycho by Red Velvet. Mm, yeah. Psycho. It's catchy, the hook is super memorable, and it's just one of those songs where once it gets in your head, it refuses to leave. And the song was pretty much an instant hit when it first came out back in December of 2019. It was released as a single and debuted at number one on Billboard's World Digital Song Sales chart, and the music video has over 300 million views on YouTube. And even though the song debuted at the end of the year, critics still called Psycho one of the best K-pop songs of 2019. And it's consistently cited by critics and fans as one of Red Velvet's best songs. From Elias Studios, this is K-Pop Dreaming. I'm Vivian Yoon, and in this bonus episode, we are going to be looking at the making of the hit song, Psycho, by Red Velvet. We're going to talk to two of the song's composers, a producer named Drewski, and a songwriter named EJ, to see how the song came together. That's coming up after the break.
2: Psycho was actually the first song of the writing camp that I created with Kazi and EJ.
1: This is Drewski. He's a Grammy-nominated producer and singer-songwriter who has worked with all kinds of musical artists like Zendaya and Nick Jonas. And back in 2018, a K-pop songwriter that Drewski knew invited him to a special event for SM Entertainment, the company behind Red Velvet.
2: He was like, well... Um, you should come to Korea. We're having a songwriting camp with SM.
1: Songwriting camps are essentially a gathering of songwriters and producers who work together in teams to produce new songs for other artists. So Drewski flies to Seoul, and when he gets to SM's building...
2: There's paparazzi and fans, people like with cameras and their phones out just recording like... Anyone that's going in and out of the SM building, because I guess the artists are always in and out of the building. So, you know, anyone that's going in there, they're just going crazy over.
1: Drewski makes his way past the fans and heads inside.
2: It looks like a corporate building from the outside. When you get in there, um, they have so many different floors. Like, they have everything in-house. Like, there's one level, there's the marketing department. On the other, it's graphics. On the other, is the A&R team, and then on the other, there's the studio, and then there's the dance studio. In fact, they have everything catered to the artist, so you don't have to leave if you don't want
1: He gets to the meeting room where a bunch of other producers and songwriters are mingling, waiting for the camp to start. I had a very love-hate relationship with K-pop. This is EJ, one of the composers or songwriters behind Psycho. When EJ was younger, she had actually been a trainee at SM and wanted to debut as an idol. But when that didn't work out, she transitioned to singing and writing her own songs, which is how she wound up at the song camp for SM.
0: People were like, it looked like they were wearing their pajamas. You kind of like want to be comfortable when you're writing because it's like an all day thing. So there's like a bunch of writers. We say hi to them, we introduce ourselves. There's the ARs.
1: So AR stands for artist and repertoire. And in K-pop, A&R execs are often in charge of guiding the production of demos, or rough recordings of songs, that might be used to create a group or artist's album. And at this moment, the A&Rs from SM assign the teams for the day. Small groups of songwriters and producers that'll be working together to create demos. And Drewski and EJ are paired together.
0: I met Drew actually before... These camps. I had no idea he was gonna be in that camp, the SM camp.
2: DJ, I've worked with before, um, because we've written stuff for American artists, like we're pitching stuff for like Ariana Grande and like Normani at one point. So it was it was refreshing to see a familiar face at the camp.
1: The third person on their team is a Swedish DJ artist, singer, and songwriter named Kazi Opea, who has written songs for groups like BTS. ITZY, TWICE, NCT 127, and more.
0: She's very bubbly. Like, you can just tell with her clothes, like, she stands out. Very vibrant personality. Very positive. Confident. Always brought a lot of, like, light to the studio. She got her, you know, her quirks. She's great. She loves bananas. Kazzy's a fabulous vocalist.
1: Drewski, EJ, and Kazzy head to the studio where they'll be working for the day.
2: This room was kind of more open space. They had, of course, like the mixing console and the big speakers and the computer and like all the recording stuff, but like there wasn't a booth. It was a, a pretty big room. Like they had like couches in there. They had like a whole like four or five different uh, keyboards. They had four or five different bass guitars. You know, if, if musicians needed them, they had all the instruments in there. And then they have like on the, on the right side was more of like the Um, recording, it feels more like it's home, like it doesn't feel like a pretentious studio.
1: The first thing the group has to do is decide on the instrumental track that they want to start with.
0: The producers have to bring like a couple tracks prepared. These tracks have to be fully fleshed out usually. And Drew had like around like six or seven tracks ready for us, for us to listen
2: and it had to be maybe the third or fourth track, and you hear the boom, boom, boom. And then they were like, wait, what is that? And I'm like, this song, I was I haven't really finished it. It's just a skeleton. And they were like, no, play it. And they were like, yeah, I like that. And, um, you know, they were like, uh, it, it's classical, but it still had, like, R&B elements and trap elements and hip hop elements in it.
0: So the track had a very like interesting like classical vibes to it. It wasn't really happy or not, neither sad. Like kind of a bittersweet vibe, so which was
1: what I was feeling. So the three decide to go with this instrumental track. And now it's time to write the top line of the song or the songs and melodies that will go over the instrumental. Both E.J. and Drewski say the concept for the song came naturally through a conversation they had in the studio. I fought with my
0: boyfriend and I wanted to write about that. I don't know if you've ever been in like a relationship where like you fight and the person like they shut off, you know? Mm-hmm. They stonewall you. That makes you go crazy, you know?
2: We were saying that it's crazy what love will make you do, or or the things that you sacrifice for love. And I'm like, let's talk about that.
0: One thing I love about writing is it's a therapy session. I was like, okay, I know what this song could be about. because My heart feels broken right now. And I remember that's how I felt in that fight. But yeah, it's just like, that's why, you know, the idea of Psycho came out.
1: Okay, so now we're going to go through the demo version of Psycho, section by section, and hear how each part got made.
2: So that intro note is All Kazi, like we were doing an ad-lib track. They love to do ad-libs with these songs. So when she, when she hit that note, I was like, oh my God, like that has to be the intro. Mm -hmm.
1: Kazi did the psycho. psycho. Then EJ, Drewski, and Kazi start coming up with some melodies.
2: Because... For K-pop, they're very, very big on the melodies, like the the melodic structure and things. We just kind of get on the mic and just start creating melodies. And it's kind of like mumbling like words. We all just took turns, like doing maybe like four or five uh, different takes. And then we just listened back to all of them and started piecing them together.
1: Next is the pre-chorus, which is the part that comes in before the chorus. I remember very
0: clearly that Kazi thought of the pre-chorus very quickly, actually, at first, which is a na 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 na. So I was like, "Oh shit, that's a sick melody."
2: Her voice to me is like sia, almost like operatic too in itself. You know, it's very big, but then there's also like sweet parts of it. I feel like Kazi's background gave us a lot of like that melodic, haunting voice the pre-chorus part like that beautiful like part was all kazi like and then like the the chorus got me feeling like a psycho like that was ej
1: for the chorus ej decides to start with that word she mentioned earlier psycho are you korean i yeah. am korean yeah
0: okay, Cool. koreans love saying oh okay 완전 psychopath like oh they my say god psychopath. yes
1: it's true, a lot of Koreans do use the word psycho liberally. But this concept of her relationship making her feel like a quote-unquote psycho, that was on EJ's mind, and she knew a Korean audience would be able to relate.
0: And then I remember just like kind of holding the microphone, I was like, let me try it. let me try something. And I was just like, to be honest, what I thought was, what would Bozzy do? Because I love Bozzy stuff. What would Post Malone do? And literally the first thing that came out was, you got me feeling like a psycho psycho you know like kind of imitating the- <laughs> <laughs> and we're all like hell yeah this is it like i think this is be a sick chorus you got me feeling like a psycho psycho got me jason shots of so with you.
1: once they landed on that line you got me feeling like a psycho EJ says the rest of the lyrics started falling into place.
0: When I was writing the lyrics, like I I was writing with a lot of back and forth with Drew, to be honest, a lot. And I was talking about like, because when you're heartbroken and you're in a very toxic relationship or like there's some toxicity in the relationship and you're dealing with the pain, it feels like actual pain. It feels literally physical, like you're sick, you feel sick, you lose like appetite, like all these things. And I wanted to talk about like dealing with that pain. We had this whole concept of why don't we have fun with medical words? Like, you know, like kind of like sick. Yeah. If you're a sick because sometimes, sometimes that's how you feel like in a relationship. And then, you know, it goes like, psycho, psycho, got me Jason Shasta, Nicole, Nicole. It didn't really make sense, but Nicole kind of fit the concept. Got me Jason,
1: Next is the rap
0: section.
2: Hey boy, I don't see why you can be with me. I'm original and no the rap part that was where my, you know, hip hop expertise comes in. <laughs> I uh, was just kind of freestyling at the mic. I don't know why like you know, we were just kind of mumbling like lyrics and an original visual was something that just came out of my mouth and EJ was like, "Did you say I'm the original visual? I was like, yeah, I was like, but we could change that if you want. She was like, no, she was like, that's cool. She was like, I feel like that. I like that.
1: So this is one of the most iconic lines from the rap. I'm the original visual. And when Drewski came up with that line, he had no idea that visual was a label given to certain members of K-pop groups who are known for their beauty.
2: But that was totally a fluke. And that's what I mean, like the song wrote itself. It's scary hearing it back and, like, thinking of where I was, like, in that time space.
1: Then for the end of the song.
0: I do remember Kazzy mentioning, like, maybe we should change it up a little bit at the end because I know in K-pop, they like to switch things up all the time. And then because I had a melody already that goes like, hey, na, 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 eh. hey na, I'll be OK. Hey, na, na, na That was a melody I, I, I made already and it was there. <laughs> and we loved it. So we put a snippet of it at the end but hey, na I'll be okay. That thing, so that at the end of the chorus, we can just kind of like chant it. Hey, na nah, nah, eh. hey, nah, I'll be okay. It made just perfect sense to put it at the end, just to be like, everybody's singing it together. We're gonna be fine. That's what I wanted to write about, which is like, you go through this like heartbreak, but at the end of the day, you'll heal, and you're gonna be fine. That's basically how it went. And then, you know, we had the song and it was great.
2: It all felt like we were moving like the same muscles, you know, like Power Rangers or Voltron. It felt like all of us were moving the arms and feet in unison. It was amazing. We literally, it maybe took like 45 minutes at most for us to write that song.
1: Drewski says that by the end of the day, word about the song had spread within the camp.
2: So I'm going out to get like some snacks and like some of the other producers are like, dude, that record that you guys did, everybody in here singing it, people were humming it. And they're like, that track, that track is fire.
1: Even though the three of them were excited by what they had made, they weren't sure if the song would be chosen by the a and at SM. We thought it was
0: way too pop for mm-hmm. K-pop.
1: And Cassie admitted that too. So
0: she noticed, like, this song is very, like, pop. Pop is just more simple. Melody, like, the strong structure was just uh, a little bit more simplified.
1: EJ says that small choices, like having the chorus repeat instead of changing it to a different melody, those things contributed to the overall feeling of the song sounding more like American pop than K-pop.
0: And certain melodies are just more American, you know?
1: Yes. Okay. Okay. You know
0: Like, that's very, like, Korean melody. I was born and raised in Korea and listened to a bunch of K-pop. I know what sounds more, like, Korean. And it's called bong. That's what they said, the writers say. Do you have bong in your melodies?
1: Remember bong, that concept we talked about in a previous episode? EJ says she felt this song didn't have as much bong compared to other K-pop songs. Yeah, so we just did not think Anyone in SM would take it. Finally, it's time to show their song to the execs.
2: So the last day of the camp, all the A&R team from SM, all the producers, all the writers were all in this room. We played Psycho, and I was looking around the room because, you know, my head was the popular Kazi and EJ too, like, we're into it. And I'm looking, and the A&Rs were just kind of stoic. And uh, I was like, okay, um, uh, all right. You just didn't know like if they liked it or not.
1: But later that night,
2: we had a dinner and a rap party. And this is a crazy thing. SM has their own restaurant. It's like a steakhouse. It's a five-star like restaurant. They have their own like liquor, like all this. They were like, order whatever you want. It's all on us. This is our restaurant. So, like, over the speaker system, they're playing all the songs that we did. And there's other people in there, like, eating, you know?
1: SM is playing the demos from the song camp over their restaurant speakers.
2: So they're playing our records, and they kept on going back to Psycho, and they kept on playing it.
1: The next afternoon, right before Drewski was about to get on a plane back to L.A., he got a phone call from one of the A&R execs.
2: And they were like, hey, Drew. So we want that Psycho song, and we want it for Red Velvet, and we were left to purchase the song. I was very thankful, but I still did not know the magnitude or how big the record was going to be.
1: So normally, at this point, SM would start the process of taking this demo and turning it into a real song, like having their own producers and songwriters put on finishing touches or getting the English lyrics translated or rewritten in Korean and getting Red Velvet to start recording vocals. But there was a hitch.
0: Basically, like, that song was so similar. Like, the first melody was so similar to, like, a different song that was out. And how I found that out was because my roommate
1: at that time... was like EJ says that her roommate had shown her a song she was listening to. And EJ immediately spotted the similarities between that song's melody and the melody for Psycho.
0: So I was like, oh my god. And then... I told SM and then SM appreciated that. They learned it, like before it came out. So they're like, can you guys think of a different verse? So we yeah. had to go back and we were not in the same place. Drew was in LA. Kazzy was in Sweden and I was in New York. So I was like, holy shit. So we had to send around emails of different melodies. Would you guys like to hear couples melody? ideas? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So this was one of them. Very different. Can you hear this? Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: You got me tripping on the shit that you just said and they'd be going on and mess with my head. It's like an operation and I wanna be okay. Student is great, day, and I don't care
1: Another version she came up with Who the hell you think you are coming in a break
0: my height was another idea. And then my boyfriend we were doing laundry and he was like, Hunje, how about you go like how the hell are you? There. <laughs> I was like, that is sick, and so it, this came out. And this is just one take of it, which is.
1: The group updated the demo with this new melody and sent it to SM. But their troubles weren't over yet, because right before the song was released, something else happened.
0: I looked at it like, your
1: song is leaked on YouTube, girl. That's coming up after the break.
2: How to LA is your connection to Los Angeles. Get to know its history.
1: The 1920s were a huge boom time in Los Angeles and downtown was just exploding.
2: It's politics.
1: It's the biggest local prosecutor's office in the country.
2: And it's food. Korean spices with like a hint of sweetness. And just everything we love about LA. Subscribe to How to LA from LA Studios wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at LAS.com slash events. See you there. So a few days before the song was supposed to come out, something big happened.
0: All right, that was such a traumatic moment for me. Um, so, what? Psycho came out December. EJ was
1: actually in the car when it happened.
0: I was on my way to Virginia. It was a four-hour ride. It was in the car, middle of nowhere, and I got a bunch of DMs from these Red Velvet fans. And I was like, "What's going on?" And I looked at it like, "Your song is leaked on YouTube,
1: girl. Your song that was on Sound Better. The song had leaked. So a year or two before the song was released, EJ had created an account on something called SoundBetter.
0: It's basically a website for writers and producers to meet one another. It's like a LinkedIn for writers, mm-hmm. producers.
1: EJ uploaded a few of her demos to showcase her voice and her writing style. And she says she accidentally uploaded the demo for Psycho, thinking it was a different song. And then...
0: I completely forgot it for a whole year, okay?
1: Like, I I made it, like, in
0: 2017 or 18. And for a whole year, was dead. I completely forgot about that profile.
1: Fast forward to December 2019, just days before Red Velvet is about to release their song.
0: Drew, like, posted, like, a, a snippet of it, and he, like, tagged me in it as one of the writers.
1: After seeing EJ was tagged in the post, K-pop fans got to work trying to figure out anything they could about these songwriters and the new song.
0: They immediately, (laughs) like, I think they searched the shit out of me and
1: found it. They found the demo. The fans downloaded the demo and put it up on YouTube, essentially leaking the song just before the official Red Velvet version was set to release.
0: I freaked out in the car. I was, like, crying. And, because it was an honest mistake. and. I got I saw on YouTube and it leaked and I was like, holy shit. And I had to I called SM, I called a bunch of people, I called Drew. I remember I was freaking out. And then they're like, hey, like SM was like, just flag it. Make sure they put it down. So I did every yeah. single time it came out, I flagged it. So I mean I had to do it for like the next two, three days. I was constantly doing that, but once it's leaked, it doesn't stop coming out. They keep posting it. So I remember like crying. My boyfriend and I were just like freaking during Christmas, like trying to like flag these YouTube, like bring it down and block them. But what was so crazy is when it came out as like, it leaked, I was looking at the comments, and the reaction was really good. They, <laughs> they loved the devil. And I was, it was weird. I was like, it was very bittersweet.
1: A few days later, the song was released. Tell me. and it became an instant hit. The music video got 10.7 million views on YouTube in the first 24 hours. And even now, Psycho is one of Red Velvet's most listened to tracks of all time.
2: I woke up to being part of the number one album in 43 countries and the number one K-pop song. And it was not just on the K-pop charts, it was also on the main iTunes charts. It, i've I've had like the, um, A couple of number ones, but not, like, in 43 countries. Like, that was insane.
1: This is Drewski again.
2: If you were to tell me, you know, a a kid from the south side of Sacramento, that I would have, like, the biggest song for Red Velvet, like, the biggest song for a Korean label, you know, I would have thought that you were out of your damn mind.
1: (laughs) EJ's relationship to the song was a little more complicated. And she wonders if maybe she didn't get as much press or attention as she might have if the leak hadn't happened.
0: I thought it was going to be a moment for me that, oh, I can finally be as confidently say I wrote a song I did well. And to get that kind of, I was in the shadows instead of the spotlight of a song that meant so much to me. And I put a lot of input in, which is why I appreciate this interview. I could talk about it. I've never been interviewed about Psycho. Really? Never? No. Like this song meant a lot to me because this was the first big moment for me and as a writer. And again, like I said, like the hook was something I created.
1: In the years since Psycho's release, EJ has continued to work in the K-pop industry, writing songs for artists like Taeyeon and twice. I asked EJ if she has any advice for aspiring songwriters who are looking to create their own breakout hit.
0: There are going to be moments where you get burnt out, like, you have to know how to take breaks. Be okay with feeling sad, be okay with feeling burnt out. That doesn't mean you suck at all. But in the end, I would say, hey now you'll be okay, hey now you'll be okay, hey now I'll be okay, it's alright, yeah.
1: K-Pop Dreaming is written and hosted by me, Vivian Yoon. The show is a production of LAist Studios. Fiona Ng is the senior producer and the show creator. Our producers are James Chow, Minju Park, and me, Vivian Yoon, with additional production assistance from Kyle Chang. Sophia Polizakar is our editor. This episode is sound designed by James Chow. Gloria Oh is our Korean researcher and translator. Fact-checking by Minju Park. Parker McDaniels is our mix engineer. Our director is Taylor Kaufman. Original music by Stephen Tran. Our interns are Jens Campbell and Sarah Burnett. Special thanks to Jacqueline Kim, Quincy Sirsmith, Topher Ruth, and the Berkeley Advanced Media Studios. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live.